Hello, everyone. If you're wondering why an episode didn't get posted last week, it's because I have been super sick. I still have a little bit of congestion, but it has been a struggle. I've been riding the struggle bus <laughs> for the last almost two weeks, and it's really frustrating when you are you have like I had the recordings ready to go and I just didn't record the intro and the outro, which is what I typically do. I hold off on doing that where I can absorb what I just talked about in the podcast. And I regret not doing that because um, I don't have like a co-founder or someone else who can record these for me. I'm envious of anyone that does have that because I don't have that luxury. So it's just me and I'm trying to make the most of it and trying to make sure that I can get these episodes out. But when you're sick, it's really, really tough to record. So after two weeks, I finally feel like I'm in a good place to record a little bit more. Um, so I'm excited for that. And I want to thank you guys for your patience waiting for this episode to come out. On that note, I am really excited about the guest that we have on the podcast today. Her name is Jenny. And I met Jenny in my last corporate job, actually, and I was blown away by her because she is def- she's definitely the most organized person I've ever met in my entire life. And I know a lot of organized people, but she is a supreme project manager and she just knows her shit and she's really curious person. So she's always exploring different ways of doing things and I just love her. We've become good friends, and I just think she brings so much of a different perspective to things. And the reason why I wanted to have her on the podcast is because I think a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners struggle with time management, project management, organizing their schedule. And it's just fun to listen to Jenny talk about what she knows and her tips for optimizing her schedule, but then also to hearing that she gets it. Like she's been there. She's had to figure out her own way. I watched Jenny manage big teams of people and she's just flawless. Like she's so good at it. So I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today. Um, And I think you guys will really like this episode because she is really down to earth and friendly and smart. And she just gets it. And I just love her curiosity. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode and I will catch you on the flip side. What is up, Jenny? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having yeah. me. Jenny is a fellow <laughs> podcaster, which you guys will learn later, but um, she's also a former colleague of mine and a brilliant project management guru. Is it offensive to use the word guru? Sometimes I feel like it is. Oh, that's a good question. Project I don't know. Psychic. I look into the future more than anything. <laughs> that's your new thing. Okay. So uh, what would you say is like in the realm of the space, what would you say is the biggest mistake you see entrepreneurs, business owners make when it comes to time and project management? I know you have feedback for this, so I can hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. Um, when I think of biggest mistake, it's, I, I think of it more as like a challenge and it's ongoing. Um, I would say the biggest thing is being mindful of how we're sequencing some of the milestones. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of times, you know, we get ahead of ourselves or we're, we're already thinking like three, four five, six, seven steps ahead. Um, 
rather than kind of thinking smaller bits iteratively and building like, off of each other. What's an example of yeah. a smaller bit versus really thinking ahead? Oh, that's a fun one. Um, okay. I w well, I work in primarily software development. So um, I, I think this is probably true also for anyone that does like live arts or has some sort of programming. Um, there's a tendency to think of the the big, big vision and picture. Absolutely, we should be. Um, but the smaller bits might be an individual show, let's say, or an individual release. Um, but in within that individual release, there might even be smaller milestones like review or check-ins or doing a quick run through, um, providing smaller group feedback. Um, and so I, I, I think, uh, again, certainly thinking in the bigger context, that is absolutely important, mm -hmm. but it's those smaller bits and kind of sequencing those so that it makes sense um, into the, to the much smaller scale release is, is yeah, wiser. Um, totally. So for people <laughs> listening, when they're planning out, like even their 2021 year plan, right? Like looking at that and they're setting like milestones for their year. It's really getting into the nitty gritty that you think would help them actually achieve more because they're getting into that versus just kind of being pie in the sky and seeing way too broad. 1000%. And I think, you know, a lot of folks think in quarters, that that is a helpful approach. Um, but sometimes it's actually like the the experience, uh, and kind of letting that guide you through whatever the actual process steps are. And I think once we once we kind of get in that mindset, it's a lot easier to sequence them better. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so why is what you do in project management such a necessary component of people being effective and like really getting shit done? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the, the the reason why it's so important is like it it be, it can become like kind of the nexus for for the overarching process of of the team or the company. You know, I, f I feel like a lot of times the project manager is um, people joke, you know, they they're they're the cat wrangler or whatever. You know, um, I mean, and to yeah. some degree that. <laughs> It could be, it could be true, sure, but uh, I think more than anything, it's it. We're we're describing the fact that um, their work and their oversight can touch so many different facets of the team's process. Um, be it you know uh, you're collaborating with other members of other teams, or you have your own team, um, and so I think just kind of keeping tabs on what it is that you're working on in the moment, what's top priority. Um, you know, what, what yeah. is not, what balls you can absolutely drop because you're going to juggle a lot, <laughs> but not all of them have to, you know, stay in the air. Some of them can absolutely hit the floor, but you need to make the right decision about which ones. Right. Hit and the that's, floor. I think what's so tough in this space for people who are business owners is the fact that they're not necessarily able to, to holistically project manage everything that they have going on because there's just no way right in the midst of also getting everything done. So that's why I think too, there's such a value in having someone that can be that bird's eye view for you and help you organize and operationalize everything. Because otherwise I know for a lot of business owners out there, it's like, it's just not, it's just not organized and it's just not going to be effective. Yes. Yeah. And that, I mean, to your point that, that part about being effective is like, that is, that is key. That is the goal overarchingly yeah. for everyone is like, you want to make sure that the work that you're doing is absolutely moving whatever needle it is that you're yeah, trying to totally. push. So, so you're, I know you was like super smart, scrappy project leader. And I would love for you to go into detail of what is your backstory and how did you get into this space and how was this role, something that you just decided on? 
Oh man. Yeah. You're taking me back. Um, <laughs> um, I was, I, I'll, I'll, I'll start of course, where I think everyone starts, which is working probably at home or, you know, with neighbors, kids. And I think everyone has, has gone through that. Um, <laughs> but when I finally got to choose what I wanted to do, I had a tough time. Um, I went to undergrad for art history, studied a couple languages. I took geology classes. I mean, I, I it ran the gamut. Um, and what was great is it exposed me to a lot of things. Um, and so when, when it came time to finally decide what it is I wanted to do, I thought maybe teaching would be good. And I, I liked aspects of that job. Um, I moved into uh, program coordination for Live Arts Festival in Philadelphia. And I think that's where I kind of could see could start to see what would be uh, an awesome career. Um, and so while I was responsible for, for managing the programs of uh, the festival, um, and that lasted about... Well, it was all summer long, but there were about like uh, 150, inter 150 local shows, local productions, and then 13 international shows. And of course, they all had their own schedule. So in terms of an ability to multitask and keep tabs of, on everybody else, <laughs> I could see like I, I, I was capable of thinking on that in, in that spectrum um, and still have fun with it. Um, but I... I was finding myself more drawn to the technology side of um, program coordination for such a festival. And we were working with um, a company that uh, basically was updating and revamping the way that they had built their, their ticketing system. And they were tailoring it around a, a lot of the features, new features were tailored around um, our festival. Uh, and so I got really invested in, in kind of that, that aspect of software development um, I ended up joining their team for a bit <laughs> and then making the decision to go to grad school. Um, and when I went to grad school, I was looking at arts administration and policy, kind of how were nonprofit organizations adopting uh, software solutions for their operations? What were some vulnerabilities that needed to be considered? You know, that whole gambit. Um, so shoot ahead to today. Um, I've been working as a delivery manager, project manager kind of blend um, for about goodness, I want to say about seven or eight years now, almost 10, um, and have now moved on into the AI space. So still doing project management, still doing, you know, software delivery. Um, but now I'm in the space where it's like trying to develop the thing that seems so unexplainable. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Seriously. <laughs> like, um, how do we articulate that? Absolutely. So when you're working across all of these different team members, because that's really, especially when you bring up that festival experience, like I'm like, oh my gosh, that is totally perfect for you because I've seen you wrangle people who have all different types of personalities. And, and for those of us who are, who are listeners, project managing kind of like our own work, so to speak, and also working with external people, whether it's like manufacturers, developers, contractors, like we all do that. So what advice would you give to people who really do want to stay efficient and on track with timelines, um, especially when we know that we have to rely on other people really to move things forward for our business? Yeah, the the one thing I will say, I, I feel like I'm still learning this, um, but it it has been a trait in other people who have either been vendor managers or project managers, some somebody where they're they're they they know that their work um, is actually tied to the work of others, uh, has uh, the thing that 
they have in common when they are really good at their jobs that I try to take with me is their ability to understand how the work of other team members impacts their own, but also the um, desire to get to know the motivations and desires of that person, both in and outside of work. Um, not because they want to somehow, manipulate them. I think there's a tendency, <laughs> right? Like, yes. Manipulate them, but rather like really understand who they are as a person and tap into the things that they're passionate about. Um, and, and really leverage the things that they're naturally very good at. So if a person is not, you know, <laughs> not into the, you know, details or anything like that, that's okay. Um, that is 1000% okay. There might be another way that they approach their work that you can still meet them at. And so it's like, it's actually that more nuanced uh, uh, effect um, that I think is, is both a challenge, but um, something that I, I myself, I'm constantly seeking out how to do better and and learn from others how they how they that. do it well. So in a previous role, this is not quite what you're saying, but I love that you said this because I think it is really important, especially for people who are hiring teams. When I was working in a previous role at a former company, we the company was very passionate about StrengthsFinder. And at first I rolled my eyes. It's StrengthsFinder is a personality test. It spits out your top five strengths. I rolled my eyes at first because I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, stop trying to like do a kumbaya shit. Like, I don't care about this. But it actually was so interesting because it helped me understand what, how everyone on my team contributed in different ways. And there wasn't anyone that was less of a person than the next person. It was the balance of the dynamic that got things done. Yeah, 1000%. And when you know what that person's area of expertise is, and that's not to say they know everything, it's just they might have deeper domain knowledge than you. Um, it's a lot easier to ask them for help when you know that that's a gap that you have, but it's a strength that totally. they have. Well, so, so let's dig into an example really quickly. Let's say that someone is working with uh, a manufacturer, right? And I know this probably sounds like role play. We're not going to do that. But like, let's say someone's working with a manufacturer. They don't know that person very well, right? Or the person that's on the other side. What is a way that someone can apply what you just talked about, even in email conversation, which is really common right now, especially with COVID, um, to like move something forward? Like, how would you, how would you kind of like set that up to know, okay, at the end of this, I'm hoping to create a plan with this person that can help me move my business forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, that that's really tricky, right? Because you're, we're saying we're starting with uh, written <laughs> form. And I think, um, you know, I, I fit in certainly that generation where, uh, you know, aim I mean, just came them out them when millennials, <laughs> we had away messages like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think you and I even bonded oh over God, Smarter yes. Child, right? Like, or just like laughing at like specific time. how like emo we would be when we were younger, like putting up away messages. Like, listen, this is like, this was our childhood. Yeah. 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 And, and I think because of that, we, we, we've, we know what it's like to, to kind of misread tone, um, in a text form because it, it, it just so much of our lives, so much of our upbringing has actually been reading the thoughts and ideas and um, commentary communications from our peers. Um, I encourage people to sometimes just get off the computer and hop yep. on a phone call. 
Um, I think it's important as you're establishing rapport to create as many channels and lines of communication as possible. And then eventually you'll scale it back or you guys will, you know, you'll find a groove. Um, but I think that it opens up not only lines of communication, but uh, opportunities for more small talk, more personal talk. So that way you can actually build a rapport, build some trust um, and be able to find ways to communicate with each other that uh, allows you to, to get the work done. Um, that's not to say that you can't <laughs> totally just stop at a, at, um, text and you well, have to no, move to phone, it's, but it I adds think... a personal touch. Like even hearing someone's voice yeah. is such a personal, personal touch. Can we talk on really quickly when you discuss, and I think you're so good at this, but like getting to know teams, not only in their work life, but also in their personal life. When you talk about that, you're not saying that from an invasive point of view, it's really just to paint a full picture of someone or, or what's, what's the value in that for those business owners listening who maybe don't know their team that well, or maybe don't even know the partners that they work with in their business very well. Yeah, I think it, it I mean, I find myself even having to, to check myself once I've established a relationship. So I think that this is a habit that's true, not only from the beginning of establishing a relationship, but in caring for a relationship, um, with, a with a colleague, um, it's easy to start treating each other like cogs in this machine that you're building. Um, and there is a danger in that. And I think it can actually heighten emotion uh, and have negative impacts on the work. If you don't then kind of check in with each other and say like, hey, you know, how's it going? How was your weekend? There, sometimes people drop the littlest tidbits like, oh, I'm, I'm going on a hike on Saturday. Okay, well on Monday, Tuesday, whenever you remember the next week, it might be good yeah. <laughs> to just, yeah. you know, slow down and ask, how was that hike? Cause you remembered. And that means so much to people. It does, you know, so much um, I mean, really yeah. like to think that, that someone would remember that small detail. And it's not like they're trying to like ask them that and then be like, okay, well, I have an assignment for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, put some work in front of them. It's like, no, that's it. That's all I wanted to ask. Just like, how was your weekend? How was the hike? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and again, I think it's like, it's just fostering the person. I, I, I mean, obviously when we all come together, we're trying to get the work done, but I think it's also important to foster the relationships with those people in order to retain them long time, long term. And I do feel like projects, uh, are far more successful when that's kind of ingrained in yeah, the process. Absolutely. Okay. So I didn't pop this in my questions, but I, this came to mind as we were talking through things, because one thing that I know you do really well is you're very, you strip the unnecessary, I guess you could say emotion from your job and you aren't necessarily really reactive to certain things that might pop up. I guess you could say, I, I really don't know how to like frame it the right way. But when you think about people that get really like impassioned and maybe like emotional about a response that they might get or an email that they might get, you are someone who does a very good job maintaining that uh, like neutrality. Like, how are you able to do that? And why is that beneficial to keep in mind? Mm, are you saying, uh, in reaction to someone else having yeah, that like emotion in, or recognize it in uh, your myself? Not, not uh -huh. recognize it in yourself necessarily. Cause I think you do a good job of, it's not about you, right? It's like, you're kind of just moving things along with these people that are part of this with you. But let's say someone were to have like a negative emotion to something or a negative reaction to something like, how do you kind of like neutralize that and continue to move forward so you can still get things done? Mm, yeah. Okay. I understand. Um, I think my, and, and, and this is a practice, this does not come overnight. And this certainly was not the way I always worked. Uh, 
but I think increasingly I, I, I'm finding that, um, when I observe those behaviors, uh, it's usually because people are passionate about the work that they're doing. Um, and so bearing in mind that our goals have not changed, our relationship to it might have changed. Um, I don't want my response to discourage what I think is actually a very smart and uh, intelligent um, reaction from that person, even even though it might be strong or off-putting. Um, in fact, I, I wanna figure out what it is that's most frustrating to them and in part because my role is, as a project manager is to, to ensure that the coordination and everything else is moving smoothly. Um, so that, that to me is actually an opportunity to check in. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the work. Like yeah. <laughs> sometimes it was triggered by something else and they're coming back into it. But then, you know, other times they're like really feeling the crunch. Um, and I, I think just having a bit of empathy with the person, knowing that the, the work is still central to them, but like maybe they need a break. Maybe you just need to encourage them to slow down. Maybe they've been um, particularly focused on the one thing, but that's actually not the team's collective priority. Maybe we need to show it's it. I know that at the end of the day, it's going to be a very gentle conversation. Um, and so I, I tend to slow down and try to try to figure out how best to facilitate that. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you think about people in your role, they're just really trying to keep things moving. But what you're saying is you need to, to play on your emotional intelligence and tap into that in order to be holistically effective with a team, really. Yeah. Yeah. 1, okay. So let's talk about Zoom. Everyone is on freaking Zoom calls. Let's say you can't just like pick up a landline phone, you know, back in our millennial days when we like prank call people in middle school after an AIM chat. But let's say you really want to run a super tight, efficient Zoom call if, regardless if it's like one person or multiple people, like what would you say is, is great advice for this? Like, is it running shorter meetings? Is it sending out an agenda beforehand? Like, what do you think makes the most sense? Mm -hmm. Um, a couple things, definitely, uh, the agenda is crucial. Um, the first thing I write though, in every meeting is the objective. Like if we don't have a reason, oh my God, if, we, <laughs> if everyone did this, my life, I'd be younger by like five years if my entire career, if people wrote out objectives before calls, I would have canceled so many. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be lengthy. It's just like, you know, if you're hopping on a 30 minute call, you have maybe one or two goals. And if ahead of that meeting, you realize that goal isn't necessarily the right sequence anymore, reschedule it or cancel it, you know, like, be ruthless yeah. with your time because <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you know, like you don't, you don't have all of it in the world. You got to make the most of it. And so, so yeah, sitting on, on unnecessarily call unnecessary calls where the objective is unclear or the proposed, uh, and I, you'll notice this too, it's always a proposed agenda. Um, <laughs> it's never an official agenda. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because sometimes, you know, you arrive at the call and there's yeah. a couple other things you want to add to the discussion stack and that's okay too. But as long as those things are always oriented towards that goal, you know, um, and then of course, writing in the subject line, like if there isn't a subject line that gives me a hint of what I'm walking into already, it's like reading an email, you know, like when somebody's subject line is unclear and then the email is very long, I'm like, nope. Right. I'm <laughs> I'm totally going to get called out by my clients and my team. Like those people that are listening right now, my entire, even Maya will know this, like anyone that I've worked with in the past, like, like every 
time I set up a meeting with someone, my subject line is ketchup and like not ketchup, like the condiment ketchup is in like, let's catch up, you know? <laughs> and like, yeah. Yeah. And casual. I kind of like that like, though. That sounds nice. It says nothing. Like it literally says nothing. So now that you just said that, I'm like, shoot, I need to fix that. That's a really great point. And also just including like a sentence or two in the meeting, even in the meeting, uh, like invite, even if it's like really, really clear what we're going to be doing, I should do that. And is it always the person, like, is it the responsibility of the person who's sending the invite to really like capture that? Like, I, I, oh, I love that you asked this. <laughs> no, like, this is one like, thing I like. Functionally with a team, right? Like, yeah, 1000%. This is a, this is actually a huge gripe that I have with a lot of, uh, email and and meeting management tools um that i think google does really really well <laughs> is just granting the the permissions uh to invitees to to modify oh, the meeting interesting google allows this google allows it and i've not seen it in anywhere outlook else. world that's my problem is like I, like my brain can't even comprehend that that exists because i've been in outlook for so long yeah. And the way when on, on, in moments where I was on Outlook, I intentionally would move the agenda to a living meeting note document elsewhere, just so others could contribute to it. You know, like you want it to be collaborative. If it's just me spewing it out and it's just everyone executing my ideas, I can guarantee you it's not going to be a great idea. At the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like I need everyone's yes. brain, like collectively we can do so yes. much more. Oh, so love it. Okay. We, I want to get to like the Jenny secret sauce, like, and, and it's, I want to understand like the tools that you're using to stay organized, but then also like, what is your process? Like when you wake up in the morning, do you meditate in the morning to get your mind in a good spot, like to work? Do you exercise? Like what, what do you do to get into a good headspace? So you can think clearly the entire day because you are like on the entire day, navigating things, working cross-functionally, probably more so than than anyone else that would be on a team. So what does that look like for you? Yeah, um, most of it is honest to goodness prep in advance. Um, so when I'm on a call with folks and we realize we're gonna need to have a follow-up meeting um, and we have an idea of what we already wanna talk about, like either at the very end of that meeting or I'll leave a note for myself to do it at the end of the day, I'll create that meeting just so I can come back and review it and edit it as we get closer to it. Um, I am though a person that likes to live at the 11th hour of everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't, know, don't know her. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. And I feel like I, I, I permit myself to do that because so much of my, my work life is very, very yeah. structured. Um, so, uh, I do have some okay, rituals yeah. that I, that I Let's try to put in, in yeah. the day. Um, of course, morning walks and evening walks with my doggo. Gotta do it. Gotta have it. <laughs> yeah. And those are like an hour long. Bless his heart. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that forever. That's crazy. You guys for that. Like... <laughs> we take our time. It's not like we're yeah. running, you know, but it is, it is a long wow. stroll. It's nice to have um... too, right? Like having a dog, it just kind of like sets you up to have that like you have to be in that routine every day. Like that's not a decision you get to opt out of. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I do like a lot of my work, like uh, budgeting stuff on the weekends. Like I have a running time block. Um, Saturdays are still kind of like my work day in my mind, but for my own personal life. And then Sundays are total rest days. So like 
everything is kind of planned in the sense that like on Sundays, I know I'm going to do all my meal prep for the week and I'm going to do all my meal planning then too. And I'll do most of the grocery shopping then, but I really do try to relax and like chill out a little bit. Um, I only read one book a month. (laughs) I'm not not doing more than that. I thought you'd be like, I'm at 10 books a month. Wow. Oh no. Uh -uh, No. I mean, I read a lot of blogs and stuff like that. And Twitter has me, uh, very well versed in, you know, goings ons, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I try to, I try to, you know, take it easy with myself. And like, what about um, during the day? How do you stay super focused with all of these like distractions? How do you keep yourself on a good schedule outside of just like knowing that you have meetings that you have to figure out? Mm-hmm. Um, just even with my team members, I, I mean, they're creating tasks for themselves. I'm creating tasks for myself as well. Um, and I really try to keep, um, well, we, because it's software development, you know, we work in sprints, those sprints last for two weeks. The work that we're doing over the course of those two weeks are, is pretty focused, um, and thematic. So that, that is how I, how I tend to keep pace, uh, with the work. Um, and, and the tickets themselves, the tasks that I assigned to myself are really intended to be ones that I can get done, um, either within like an hour or oh, two. Nice. Nothing more. Okay. I have to ask this. Yeah. What do you think is more important having the right process or the right tool? Um, the, the, I wouldn't say it's, it's necessarily the right process or the right tool. Rather, it's an awareness of what the process is doing for you and if the tool is meeting those needs. Like I really think of the tools as reflections of your process. And so if you think that the process is no longer working, you can totally be ruthless again with changing out tools. Um, you know, obviously this gets more complicated in an enterprise uh, scenario where you gotta go to like sourcing oh to, get, <laughs> to get a new tool. Yeah. Um, but but still, like you you can at least say we're making adjustments to the process because we see inefficiencies. Yeah, like it. if you um, have, I mean, this it. is like entrepreneurs do this all the time. Small business owners, like they have a lot of tools they just don't use all the time. It has really nothing to do with the process at that point. And it's like, okay, you gotta like let that go. All those like tiny subscriptions really do add up for tools. If you're not in them every single day, you gotta boot them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, actually, you know, I'm wondering if there's like, I know they have subscription audit services for individuals. We're at that right now. Isn't that crazy to think about? Like you need someone to manage your subscriptions. Like it's, it's gotten to that point where, I mean, just where, where are we? What world do we live in? But yeah, I mean, it's probably useful. Yeah. Um, what is a tool mm-hmm. that you just like could not live without? Like you have to ha- use it every single day couldn't live without like, like I'm thinking like an Airtable, Evernote, um, Jira. I mean, maybe Jira because Jira uh, is like, you know, or like, a. I guess that's more of like a team management, but like for you personally. Yeah. Um, personally, I would say my, oh man, <laughs> I would say probably Asana. Asana <laughs> one of the ones I did not mention because there's so many of them. Okay. What do you love about Asana that makes you coming that makes you want to come back and use it. It forces you to really it or I should say it discourages you be it intentional or unintentional. Uh, it discourages you from creating dependencies. Like I'm one of those people where if it's a personal project or activity, I'm like, oh, but then this and then yeah. I got to do this and then I have to do that first, you know. And it's like, no, you just need to do the yeah. one. Just can you can you hit that button right there? Thank you. 
Um, I also love that it like can attach uh, like basically everything in my my uh, Google Drive right. to it. So it, it's very easy to yeah keep oh, everything I love that. central. That's great. Yeah, I have two clients that use yeah. Asana and swear by it for sure. Um, so for someone that's listening who is starting their business, starting their startup, which we have a lot of those folks who are listening, what would you recommend in terms of project management? Like not just in the scope of like, obviously your industry right now of of software, but kind of like more high level, like how can they really be effective in their business with limited resources? And like, how can they approach project managing themselves? Like, what would you say is like the one thing that would help them stay more effective? Yeah. Ah, man. I, I, I think, um, it goes back to that, like bigger vision, uh, that we talked about at the top, you know, like having that bigger vision is so crucial. Almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, precisely. Cause then it tells you the trajectory and it forces you to make sure that the work that you're doing, all the other little things that fit in there are constantly pushing you in that direction. When you don't have that, that rudder, it like (laughs) everything can just kind of go wherever it wants to. And sometimes that works, but most of the time it does not. (laughs) Yeah. There are, I think also too, a, a challenge with this space, or I think people aren't like people watch shark tank and they're like, I'm going to have a great idea. So maybe they like start to come up with the idea or they get really far in their business. Uh, and they just then haven't thought through the roadmap for things like even like marketing or thinking about like the more holistic picture. This is like very TMI, but I'm just going to share this with you. And I guess like the 33 countries that listen to this podcast. Um, so on a dating app here, I met a guy who had launched his business and it wasn't like an attraction thing. We were just going back and forth. I think dating app sometimes is kind of funny. It's like, great networking tool, but <laughs> that's for another podcast episode. But, uh, we're talking about this guy's business and he had gotten so far to like develop the product and do everything. And then he was like, okay, now what? And I'm like, what do you mean? You went through all of the product development and you didn't come up with like a roadmap or a plan or a strategy or like what you want to achieve a year from now. And he just like, didn't have any of that done, which is terrifying to me. I had like cold sweats talking to him. Like, I'm like, I'm nervous for you not because I was nervous to talk to him. I'm like, I'm nervous for your business and the amount of investments you've made in this without thinking about the big picture. And I think a lot of people just watch these like TV shows or like hear how like buzzy entrepreneurship is. And so they like go with a cool idea that they think is going to work. And it's so tactical that like they don't think about the big picture. And then it ends up really like screwing them up kind of because they have nothing to work toward. It's like they have no North star and they're not organized about it either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe, I mean, I hope his goal was to build this thing. If that's it, that's cool. I'm nervous for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'd imagine he wants people to use it that, that just as he's kind of thought of it in this brilliant way, it's got to connect with somebody yeah, else. in the, same. And, the product now that's a thing. So it's like, like he came up with half yeah. of it. He got excited about the actual development of that he was coming up with a, like a, uh, athletic clothing line. It's like, he got to that part where he did all of, all of the development. He worked with the manufacturer, got, you know, the minimum order quantities done. And then he was like, all right, well now what do we do? I was like, that's a big yikes because you haven't thought through that. So it's really thinking big yeah. picture, having that roadmap and planning out like benchmarking almost, would you say like where, 
you are and, and how you, how you can keep yourself on track through like little checkpoints. Like when you said quarters earlier, I think a lot of people do think about things in quarters. So maybe that's a good way for someone listening. It's like, what would you want to achieve by like the end of this quarter that's going to play into like your year long roadmap? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think one thing I, I hadn't said, but you're making me consider too, is not just chunking out the work in this way, but making sure you're attaching dates to them. Like these milestones are not just milestones yes. that exist in the future, wherever, but rather like, you want to be able to say like, we hit it or we didn't hit it. And what do we need to do if we didn't hit it? How do we want to pivot? Or we did hit it. So okay, what's question the next on that. Step? When you, do you wait for things to come up with like the plan B pivot plan, like to that point, or when you're planning that stuff out, do you say like, okay, this is like the ultimate ideal plan, but then here's like an adjacent plan if that plan doesn't work out. Oh yeah. I'm notorious for having like a plan B point one and plan B point two. (laughs) (laughs) All the way down to Z. And then we just run through them. That's why I'm an AI now. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Just, it's all about probability. Um, <laughs> just not getting things, everyone. <laughs> no, but seriously, I think it is important to have um, it, to to not only have an awareness of like what your goals are and and the benchmarks, the milestones within them, um, but also kind of plan for these moments where you know you're going to need to make pivots because this is yeah. how you. This is truly how you. Oh, innovate. and you know what too that reminds um, me of is, is I feel like too that's what helps you stay, stay so even keeled. Like when I was working with Jenny, you guys, like she wouldn't get stressed out, even though I'm sure she felt stressed out. I couldn't tell that she would get stressed out about very much. And I, I bet that a huge part of that is probably because you had alternative plans ready to go and like backup solutions and backup scenarios for things that would happen that maybe would fall through the cracks. Cause I think a lot of us, especially in entrepreneurship, we have high days, we have low days of like things that we didn't plan for that happen. And, and when you're talking about this, I'm like, there's so many ways to alleviate that. And like a big way to do so is just to come up with different scenarios and how you would solve those if that happened. Right. And like, if we did that, then it wouldn't seem so scary when something bad actually happens because we would have already planned, planned maybe for it. Mm -hmm. 1000%. And I think that's also why I'm comfortable living at the 11th hour. my own personal life because I'm like, it's fine. It's gonna it's gotta work out. Yes. I um if it doesn't, I have backups. Yeah, it's okay. A lot of people <laughs> would probably interpret what I just said and maybe think like, well, I don't want to plan for really negative situations. Like I want to keep my mindset in a positive mindset. But I don't think it's that. It's like it's it's creating plans so that you don't have to go to a really dark place when something doesn't work out. I don't know. What do you think about that? One thousand percent. I think there's a there's certainly an element of creativity, but I think it's also just ensuring that you always have options. Not having options is like That's probably the, the most terrifying yes, thing for me. I, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk about new tools because there are a trillion new tools coming out all the time, and I'm I am totally guilty of this because I love when a new tool comes out. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so excited. It's like Christmas morning, and like. Mm-hmm. I'm dying to know, do you think that these new tools that pop out, because we think about things like so many, like you say Asana and then there's Airtable and then there's just even from like a project management standpoint, the amount of platforms that you can use, it's kind of crazy. And there's always something new coming out. Like, do you feel like these new platforms are just like really shiny objects or do you think that some should be useful? And like, when do you know when to test one? And then 
when do you know, like when you just need to keep on your path of like the tools that you already have that keep you efficient? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I love when new tools come out because I'm, I'm, I'm forever an optimist that they're about to improve. Um, or, or maybe better reflect a process that's already happening that we may maybe had to sacrifice um, because the, the tools just weren't available yet. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm always a little optimistic about them, but finding the ones that really do reflect what you need them to do, especially when you're working with larger teams can be really hard, so hard. to find that the needle in the haystack yeah. that, yeah, that really matches what you're doing. Um, and so again, going to, you know, your earlier question of like, is it process or is it tools? Um, I think that process is just a, a really great guide to be able to say, Hey, this new product came into the market. Let's check it out. See if it does what we're doing now. And what are the new bells and whistles? And does that actually, is that going to make us more efficient or is that going to add work for us? Um, cause that, that's that, also a I possibility. Mean, yeah, seriously, I mean, <laughs> laughing and I'm laughing cause I've totally been in that situation where you add a tool and you're like, man, I'm actually like spending a lot of time in this tool and it's taken a long time to manage and it's not actually paying off for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so to those ends, it's like, I remember uh, I was with one company, we went through five different task management oh, tools in a year and a half, which meant we had to move the entire portfolio over five <laughs> times. And <laughs> oh my gosh. It was a wild ride, uh, but I learned a lot. That's, that's so it's annoying. Yeah. It's like, I liken it to in marketing. If someone changes their logo, it's like, you really do have to start fresh, like, re- like reminding people like who you are. And like, that's the same thing. It's like to start fresh over and over again like that. I mean, it's just not a good use of time. It's not yeah. ideal. And that, that, yeah, it's not a good use of time. And then you've got to ramp up other folks onto it too, you know, and then you really do have to weigh the pros and cons of like, you know, some of these tools have videos, (laughs) examples of how to use it, (laughs) details, you know, you can, you can, uh, join their webinars before you make the leap, you know, and I, I just, that is such a good reminder for people listening. You don't have to pay for the subscription. You don't have to enter in your credit card yet for the trial if you just watched an onboarding video about how it works and then decide from there. They do, so many of these tools do such a good job sucking you in and getting your information so they can forever hound you. And that's such a good point. It's like, sit back, spend five minutes just watching a YouTube tutorial or something that can help you further decide whether or not that's the right move for you. Because otherwise you're making a sacrifice to change up the the process. And that can actually be, that can actually kill your productivity in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where do you see this space going as time goes on uh, and you're continuing to work in this space? Like how do you see project management evolving? What would you like to see in the future? And like, what would help you solve what you're doing right now? Um, this is a very fun question to me. Uh, <laughs> I took a course uh, last year with MIT, just kind of understanding the the possibilities and use cases for AI. I am hoping that eventually <laughs> a lot of people who play the role of project managers or program managers um, of some kind will have tools that can take off a lot of the repetitive work from them. So that way they can actually guide those systems to do what they wanted to do. Uh, a lot of this stuff can be fairly predicted because it's, it, to some degree, it is pretty repetitive. Um, 
And I don't think it's the best use of um, especially uh, more senior uh, talent to spend their time doing something rote quite like that. And so I'm, I'm hoping to see um, a lot more of these task management tools um, and, and task co team coordination tools um, leverage uh, emerging technologies. Yeah, and it's funny for people who are listening, when they hear the word AI, there is this inherent fear, especially in a role like yours of AI is going to take my job and I'm not going to have a job anymore. Really what you're saying is AI could have so many enhancements for your job that just allow you to be that much more efficient and effective, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm by no means an expert on, on, you know, philosophies around intelligence. Um, but I think one can argue that the machines aren't quite <laughs> to a state where they could just is run on their own. The, the um, Boston, what is that? Um, <laughs> what they just actually got sold. The, um, I think a lot of people think about like the, the robots are coming, the like AI is coming. And then it's like the robot dog that they like programmed. It's like, I think, I think there's oh. time. <laughs> I think you got, more, yeah, got, yeah, you've got plenty of time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, like the 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 ability for us to think on our feet and have like X, Y, and Z ideas, you know, within a a, a an approach and a plan, um, they can machines have the ability to propose those things to right. us, <laughs> and we can exactly. tell them that that's kind of where we're yeah. at right now. But it's not as widely available yet, and so I'm I'm I am hopeful and optimistic that it can at least get to that point where um we we really truly are like subject matter experts yeah. so to speak on what process yeah, totally. like. that's great yeah um okay this was awesome where can people find you you are everywhere so let's talk about it Fine. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, yes, I am on Twitter. Uh, my username is Jen, J-E-N, uh, last name Critchlow, C-R-I-C-H-L-O-W. Um, that is my username on Twitter, on Clubhouse. Um, and if you enter the last part of that URL on LinkedIn, you can find me there too. Um, and then uh, I'm running a seasonal podcast with a dear, dear close friend of mine, um, where we celebrate rethinking uh, through the lens of our friendship. It's called Let Me Back Up Podcast. It's so good. I'll yeah. make sure to include that in the show notes because this podcast, first of all, it makes you feel so comfortable. Like you're just hanging out with friends, which I love, but then it really, everything that you guys talk about is what's on everyone's mind right now. And it's like, you guys bring it to life and it's so great to have that content just be expressed when some people just aren't talking about those things. So love it. I'll include that in the show notes. You guys can go check that out. And then, um, yeah, Jenny's really hot on clubhouse right now. So just go track her down. <laughs> her. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah. Come find me. Yeah. Let's chat. Right. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Jenny is so smart. I love talking to her. I feel so lucky that I get to talk to her still. A lot of times, as you guys know, when you leave jobs in the corporate world, you don't stay in touch with a lot of people. And I just feel really fortunate that I've been able to stay in touch with Jenny because she makes everyone around her a better person. So she's just awesome. And thank you, Jenny, for coming on the podcast. And I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. If you loved this episode, please go give us five stars in Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. Or even share with a friend if you liked this episode. Um, and I will also make sure to include Jenny's podcast in the show notes 
go listen to it. It's so good when I say that it feels like you're just sitting talking with your friends and having coffee. Like that's really what it feels like. And I've spent hours listening to the podcast. I just love the conversations and just how easy it is. It feels like you could just listen to it forever because it's just like a, a casual conversation, but also about things that are really on everyone's minds. So make sure to go check that out. And I hope you loved today's episode. Go follow Jenny and I will catch you guys next week.